0: The Tablet Show, Episode 80, with guest Chris Love. Recorded live Thursday, April 4th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Chris Love about mobile development and his experience with the Surface Pro. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support, online at T-E-L-E-R-I-K And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell in the same room. Oh, I love it. Uh, In different booths. So he came to uh, you came to Pop Studios. You're here for the week. We recorded on Mondays. We went to see John Schofield up in Cambridge. With your brother, which was totally awesome. With my brother Jay, who edits the show. Happens to edit the show. Hi, Jay. And
0: I think we impaired his navigation system somehow. (laughs) I think it was all the Oban. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fair bit of scotch consumed. We were in a very interesting jazz bar. Yeah.
1: Well, it was the Charles Hotel in Cambridge. And
0: Schofield was playing with Mike Stern and
1: Bill Stewart. And uh, a bass player who I hadn't seen playing before, Ben. Anyway, um, they, they were great. It was amazing, and uh, we had a good time. We stayed over in the Charles Hotel, and then had breakfast at S and S, which is a great restaurant in deli in Cambridge. Just a good time was had by all. But anyway, got to shake the hand of
0: John schofield That yep. was
1: kind of cool. yeah Well, you know he's playing
0: on my album. Yeah, so it's coming. Up. He knew we were coming, and stop to say hi for a while. It's all good. And yeah, it's, it's very luxurious to actually see you. I'm used to just talking to a wall. It's really kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enough
1: enough self-indulgence. Nice. Let's get on with Better Know Framework. <laughs> all right, buddy, what do you got? Well, what I have is a tip for Windows Phone. Oh. And I, I'm sh- pretty sure it's a Windows Phone 7 tip as well. But you know how people complain and they tell you a Build and Microsoft conferences mm-hmm. and things, that you can't shut down an app, right? That it, it's all about the the phone managing apps. Yeah, it does like, it itself. Yeah, and you should employ a strategy on, you know, saving often so that... Uh, right. Because you don't have control over that. Well, programmatically you, you don't, but the user can... Oh, really? ...close an app on the phone. And here's how you do it. So you have your apps open. Let's say you're on a browser or something like that. Hold down the back button for two seconds. Right. And that and gives
0: you sort of the view of all
1: of the apps that's that are right. running. Those are all the apps that are running. Okay. But now just press uh, the, the app that was running to pull that back into view. Mm-hmm. And as you hit the back button, you're closing these apps. They're actually closing. They're actually closing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. And once you get back to the v- main screen, yeah. you can test it by- Hold the back hold button the down. Hold the back button and- down again. And the main mm. screen is the only one that comes up. Nothing running. Nothing running. Ah, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I learned that by binging it. <laughs> <laughs> bing it, bing, bing, bing. So
0: there you go. Awesome. Uh, that's my tip of the day. Better no framework. Richard, who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 72, and that's the one we did with Rocky Laka talking about deploying WinRT apps in the enterprise. Um, We've read a couple comments off of this one. This is a new one from Dan Primus who says, hey guys, great show as always. It's always a treat to hear what Rocky is thinking about. I wanted to throw my two cents into the discussion on enterprise deployment. I'm guessing that the only reason there is not private stores that business could pay for and deploy their app to is just to build the raw number of apps in the store. How many times have we heard about Apple's 500K apps? I think it's 800K now. What does that mean? The number of apps that are in the store. Oh, number of apps. I yeah. thought you meant the size of them. That yeah. Kind of weird. I think the Windows store now is at 100,000. Right. And, uh, and Apple's at 800,000. And didn't you read Windows Phone is gaining market share? Yeah, we've seen some good market share stuff, but this is about the Win 8 app. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. That, okay. that, This whole particular conversation. Uh, I see that decision and communication pattern being consistent with other choices. For example, the delayed launch of Surface Pro, which I think was just a way to get the fans to buy and talk about the RT device. no No, i totally disagree
1: they didn't have it together
0: well yeah it it was a different manufacturing cycle entirely the rt was further along they released it when they could release it it might have been a a side benefit maybe yeah i don't think they plan it that way yeah i don't think it's that intent and I'm not wild about the Pro either, but this is going to be our show. So I won't yeah. go too far to that. We'll let Chris jump in on this. Dan has one side comment, which is to you, my friend. He says, Carl, on a different note, I got my Leap Motion device. Ah. i not built anything yet, but it's truly cool technology. Any chance they might be a guest on the show anytime soon? Well, I certainly hope so. Probably over on the Donner Rock side. Yeah. Although I see Leap having huge potential inside of phones at some point. Maybe. I, I haven't had a chance to get my hands on... Uh, Galaxy S4, the new, new one, which is just coming out now, Mm -hmm. because that one you don't have to touch. It's got a proximity sensor. It's really neat. So I'm interested to see how they're doing that, if they're doing the IR scanning effect or if they're using some other proximity technique. The only benefit I can see is the the health benefit, because that screen
1: gets very dirty. And, uh, you know, people touching your screens all the time and you
0: touching screens that other people have touched... We're just beginning to figure that out. Yeah. I'm, well, and, and you're really speaking to the whole idea that Z-axis, that uh, up and down, is really not a particularly useful thing. Yeah. You know? And that's the only thing you're really going to get if they have this, is is right. do we now have a third dimension that we can manipulate a UI with? Right. Otherwise, you know, it's just about the health benefits. Yeah. Which, you know, if you keep your hands clean. Yeah. Nothing that hand sanitizer can't right. fix, right? Right. Okay. Interesting. Uh, hey, Dan, thanks so much for your comment. Uh, I, I think also that... Microsoft did rush things out. I don't think they're protecting the App Store that closely. We, I am anticipating Windows Blue, and I think we talked about this on Rocky's show, mm. that the next version of Windows will probably have a much better enterprise app deploy story. We hope. Well, just the way that Microsoft sort of held back on explaining things mm-hmm. and so forth is clearly they've made a bunch of fixes mm. that they're not willing to talk about, which means it must be part of a release. Mm. And when that really and so once that release comes, it'll all be done. So I yeah, I'm holding my breath for Blue to some degree. Yep. Uh, and so again, thanks for your comment. A Coveted Tablet Show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com.
1: You know, it's really a shame we don't live closer together because this is really fun. (laughs) You like
0: this, don't you? (laughs) I actually feel like a real broadcaster now,
1: not a guy sitting behind a microphone. Just talking into space. (laughs) It's true. All right. Well, with that, let's welcome back to the Tablet Show, Chris Love. Chris has nearly 20 years, yes, that's right, of web development experience. He's built a wide variety of websites and applications in those years. In the past couple of years, he's begun to immerse himself in the mobile web application space, which is giving him some amazing experiences using cloud technologies, HTML5, and all the major mobile platforms. <laughs> Currently, he's focused on solving the problems many enterprises are having, adopting a winning mobility strategy. He's authored two books, working a new mobile web app book, and is a five-time ASP.NET MVP. Chris regularly speaks at user groups, code camps, and other developer events. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, guys. It's great to uh, talk to you again. Uh, This may be a little bit of an old bio. Is that uh, the mobile web app book out yet?
2: (laughs) No. I, uh, I actually probably have about 100
0: pages written, believe it or not. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think we got that bio off your previous show, show 22. So, 22. dude, that's a full year ago. Yes. You live with
1: that shame. There's nothing I can say, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes life
2: gets in your way. Um, yeah. You have to uh, actually work for customers first uh, before you Freaking go off and write a book. Customers. Now you're just talking crazy talk. But, you know, this is kind of what's happened, though, is in the process I have um, – I have actually been building libraries really kind of targeting around doing mobile web applications better. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my release, some of them I haven't quite got to the point where I feel comfortable releasing them. And it's mm-hmm. not about them not working. It's more about me knowing how to explain them uh, in the right way. I put a few of them, like uh, I created the Panorama thing, mm-hmm. panorama JS. It's up on GitHub. When we were at the summit, I released... uh uh, Deep tissue, which is a touch gesture uh, library, and by the time this show releases, I will probably have toolbar JS released, hmm. which does the kind of app bar, toolbar kind of thing. And hopefully by the end of the month, the bigger ones, which is my spa or single page application and backpack, which is uh, kind of some of the way I manage content. Hopefully, I'll have those up on GitHub and publicly available. Wow, but that's great. A lot of it's about making sure I've got enough kind of documentation around it so that I can release it. And then I've kind of felt like I've tested it in enough, I, you know, obtuse and abstract kind of scenarios that it, it at least fits the majority of things, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So,
0: isn't that piece of this really about clearly crystallizing in your own mind what you were meaning to build here? You know, there's a problem, you know, I, yes. think, I think of like deep tissue, which I'd love the whole idea of just trying to get touch in a little more coherent state. But there's a lot of little bits that you want to get right before you really commit to this is the API. Right. Um, You know, one of the reasons why I wrote Deep
2: Tissue is there are a lot of JavaScript abstraction libraries built on top of the Apple Touch events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a few of them that were kind of, I, I would say, quickly thrown out, out on GitHub around the uh, MS Pointer events. Right. But I never found anything that really abstracted both of them away so the developer didn't have to really care if it was uh you know MS pointer or it was a touch event kind of webkit based uh a
1: scenario so this is a just to be clear this is a javascript library that um allows you to do touch gestures is that right Right. Well, the, so the difference is that,
2: you know, Apple created touch start, touch end, touch move, those kind of, those events, touch based type events, and then mm-hmm. added a few gesture mm-hmm. things to it. Uh, the Android crew and the, and the core WebKit guys weren't really allowed to use those per se because Apple patented those mm. and they didn't really want to share them. But, wow. so a lot of the WebKit guys went ahead and implemented the touch start, touch end. They didn't get to the gestures because from what I've picked up on Apple kind of, you know, threw some poo over their their direction and said, you can't do that. Um, Microsoft kind of saw the problem, the IE team. Mm. And then, you know, Microsoft's all about being touch first, whether or not people actually acknowledge it. They really, have, I think they've done a better job with the MS Pointer model. Mm. And that actually is an abstraction layer in itself because it, it abstracts away whether it's mouse, your fingers, or the pen
0: device. Right. And it gives you a, a standard set of events. You know, people make fun of Microsoft a lot, and they're out of touch, and da-da-da-da-da-da. But those guys have been building APIs longer than just about mm. anybody. Mm. And they and it's not yeah. that they've got it all perfect. It's that they made the mistakes before, and they seem to remember, like, don't screw this up. Mm. They, yeah. they Think through it really thoroughly. So one of the things the, 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 the IE team did was they
2: actually uh, checked in MS Pointer Support into WebKit. Hmm. And from my understanding, the guys at Google that do Chrome are looking very heavy at it. And I've I've heard hints that they may even release a version of Chrome or WebKit that actually has that MS pointer support in it, uh like in Canary or something,
1: maybe this summer. Don't wow. hold me to
2: that. But that's just some rumors I've heard.
1: So is the goal of Deep Tissue then to abstract all of that stuff away so that no matter what platform you're using, you just write using Deep Tissue and then it'll work?
2: Right. Right, so you don't have to worry about the differences between, you know, writing stuff for for the touch events or the MS Pointer events, and you don't really care about which platform your application's on, per se. Mm. You know, if it doesn't support touch and it just supports mouse, mm. then you've got things that it'll hook into. Obviously, with mouse, I can't do pinch, zoom, and rotate. That's just not something sure. that's a natural thing with the right. mouse. There's also some complexity with that, with the, the webkits, because they didn't support the Apple gesture events. Yeah. So... So I haven't got the, uh, the the scale and rotate stuff working on those platforms, and I could if I went through and did a lot of JavaScript. And i have been debating about whether it's worth the effort or
1: not. Hmm. I've done the pinch zoom stuff in WPF, and that was complex enough. I can't imagine right. JavaScript.
2: Well, you know, with these events, it's actually not complicated. I'll be I'll be caught honest. Um, uh, you and I were out in Dallas for the Dallas Dot Net. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote about half of the code. Flying to and from Dallas wow. on the airplane. That's cool. So I didn't, I didn't even, and I, and I never get the internet connections on the plane, so I didn't even have access to the documentation. So I actually kind of wrote it in a way so that it made it easier for me to debug it. Mm-hmm. And so there's some cleanup I want to go back and do to kind of fix that too. But um, wow. I would I would say that's kind of mid alpha, to be honest with you. But it was, it was far enough
0: along that I wanted to share it uh, with everybody. Yeah, there's a philosophical thing here about. Should you get it up on GitHub early and often and get people engaged so that you're not trying to think everything through? Like use some of the, the community thinking to make a better version of your product, or does it really take that sort of, uh, dictator for life mindset to have a vision and implement the API yourself? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that, that has, that did concern me ahead of time was, you know, if I throw something up there, am I just going to get all kinds of flack thrown back at me and people just take it so many different directions? It's really not in the original vision that I have trying to solve the problems that I saw. Right. And and granted, I'm not gonna, I'm not personally gonna know every problem somebody's gonna come up with. Sure. But I see enough from doing enough of these mobile web applications that I knew that not having a good touch, you know, API effectively that people could commonly write to was going to be an issue. Because there was, like I said, there was, there's dozens and dozens of things that work on top of the touch APIs. And they were all inconsistent, if you will. And they all kind of solved one little thing. Like there's one out there that just does swipe, for example. And right. then there's others that did move and rotate or, or, or things like that. And there's been various issues, people trying to solve the problem of the tap thing. So one of the things with touch is when you touch a screen, that event actually fires about 700 milliseconds ahead of the mouse down. Hmm. Why? That's a weird number. Yeah, I know. I don't know why 700 milliseconds, but, but that's, that's just why. And, and I I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I've, but there's moments where I thought I, had, I understood why, but other moments where I'm like, why does it really matter which one fires first? But honestly, both of them would fire. And that's right. the thing you gotta, you gotta, the, the platform's gotta figure out if it's gonna fire the mouse event for you or not, because most web developers
0: don't acknowledge, don't really I won't say acknowledge. I don't think they realize that there's touch events there. Right. to hook into. And would you, yeah. Do you hook both? Cause then it means you're going to run a, a behavior twice.
2: Right. Well, generally you want, you want to, um, you want to hook either or. Mm-hmm. So you do a, you do a detection to determine if touch is supported. If it's not, then you fall back to mouse. Right. And so that's some of the stuff that I do in, in my library is I go ahead and detect, you know, is this MS pointer? Is it, is it touch? Um, you know, another thing I kind of found out, and, well, I think we're really here to talk about a Surface,
0: is Chrome on the Surface with the touch events is terrible. Really? Yes. And I, well, they haven't implemented MS Pointer. But what do you mean by terrible? What makes it terrible?
2: Well, honestly, they haven't really implemented the touch support when it detects that it's on a Windows desktop. Interesting. And so, like you said, it's because it's on the Surface Pro. Right, so and I've heard a couple other people comment that, that Chrome the Chrome experience on on Windows touch devices is very lacking. Hmm. Now mm-hmm. it works fine with the mouse, but I'll be quite honest when I'm when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm sitting there reading articles and I'm trying to scroll up and down and it doesn't really respond, mm-hmm. or if I or if I tap a link and a button and it doesn't respond. I get very upset when I have to flip out the keyboard and hit the touchpad just so I can click a link.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, I got something <laughs> funny for you here. You know, there's a wiki.answers.com page that you sometimes you, I'll be on my smartphone and I'll, you know, go to Bing and I'll ask a question and I'll, this will come up as like one of the first or second answer sites. And so it says swipe to see answer. Right. <laughs> of course, it doesn't work. On my phone for some reason, like because they haven't implemented it correctly. Right. I don't know why.
2: Well, if they implement a touch, most
1: likely it's the touch start. Right. So here's the best one is answers. Question. How do you swipe on a smartphone to see the answer on the mobile Wiki Answers site? Now, this is a question on WikiAnswers.com. And at the bottom, it says swipe to see answer. Nice. <laughs> and of course, that doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. It's just so freaking funny. Yeah. It's a little recursive. Maybe you should put that on WTF mobile. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's
2: awesome. So, Chris, have you gotten a pro? Yes. It was my Valentine's Day present
0: to myself. Ooh, how nice. Are you in love with it or what?
2: Yeah, I uh, for me, it is probably the best device I could have gotten to make my primary machine. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So, and for those who really don't know what a Pro is, I mean, could, have you got an RT? Can you sit them side by side, tell us the differences?
2: You know, I did not get an RT. Okay. And it was really for budgetary reasons, and I'm I'm contemplating getting one for the family. hmm So, how about I just tell you a little about how I got to the point of I knew I was going to get a Surface Pro. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so last February at the summit, I was I really started looking hard for a new laptop, and I have a a 17 inch uh, Dell that was on you know, is it's
0: 24 months old at that point, basically, right.
2: and it was already starting to fall apart. I'd already had to replace the motherboard
0: once. And, uh. And yeah. it was one of the big, this is the Delasaurus, the great big workstation yeah, style. A, yeah, Delasaurus. it's a, it's a,
2: it's a eight and a half pound, 17 inch uh, microwave oven. Oh,
0: it's a yeah. Delasaurus. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much yeah. what I have. Yeah. Too.
2: Yeah. It's, and it runs really loud, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is really nice. I, I don't hear noise anymore. Yeah. I, I, I had it running one day right after I got the surface and I was like, what is that noise? And I realized <laughs> it was, it was my laptop running on the other side of the room. Right. Ah. <laughs> so um so I started looking at that point and you know various you know financial things and stuff happened and um and I was down at Tech Ed, uh last year and uh I was having a conversation actually with Scott Hunter and Damian Edwards mm-hmm. and I don't, we were we were talking about some visual studio stuff but I, I if I remember right I think Damian had a a series 7 tablet that he whipped out and was doing some stuff on and I made a comment about you know is that is that Really good to do development on. And I think he said yes. And I think Hunter said a lot of his guys were using those series sevens mm-hmm. a lot for development. And my mind started thinking, well, do I really need this 17 inch monitor? Could I really? Cause I, I really obviously have been doing a lot of stuff with mobile. So I have, I think I have six or seven phones here in the house. I have four tablets. Right. And I know what doing things on the tablet is like. And I like that whole sitting on the couch doing stuff, picking things up really easy. The eight and a half pound laptop was very heavy going on my back. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Not that I couldn't support it, but you, you can, I can seriously tell the difference, um, that six and a half pounds makes, you know. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I started, I started kind of pondering it that day. And it was the next day or the, it was the last day of the, of the, of TechEd. I was sitting there, um, actually trying to get some code done. And, and John Lamb actually sat in front of me. And he whipped out his Series 7, and he was sitting there working on some stuff. And I just said, and I asked him what he, and he's just like, this is the best thing ever. He goes, I can whip it out and I can work anywhere I want to be, where I need to be. Anytime I need to get something done, mm-hmm. it's not heavy, and I can plug it into the docking station, and I can hook up multiple monitors to it. And I think I think at that moment I realized that was probably going to be the device something like that for me. So I started looking at Series Seven or something similar to that. And, and Series Sevens are
0: ultrabooks, right? These are not slate. No, tablets. no, no. That's the ones they gave out a build. I'm talking mm-hmm. about that. The, oh, okay. the one they gave out a build. Yep. There is a Series Seven ultrabook. You're right. right. But, right. They, but there's also one that was a that is a slate. Yes. Uh, with a keyboard.
2: Right. Right. And it has a little docking station for it right. and that kind of stuff. It's the one they have out to build. Uh you can get something similar to it. It was about $1500 at the time usually. I think I found cheaper ones for like 1300 or something. Yeah. So so I seriously started thinking about about it when I was at TechEd last June. And of course, the next week Microsoft announced Surface. Mm-hmm. And as I was sitting there watching the press conference for it, I said that's exactly what I'm going to wait for. I'm going to wait till that comes out. And I'm going to I'm going to push through and try to keep this 17-inch Delosaurus working, I like the way you call it that. Right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um and 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 push through as far as long as I can. And, and I'll be honest, I was getting so impatient waiting for this pro to come out, but I knew I needed the pro because I wanted to run Visual Studio Web Matrix and yeah. and, and the stuff we have to run that just are not Metro apps they're right? not going to
0: be r t anytime soon, right i really I seriously doubt it, yeah, yeah
2: exactly, so but you know i really I'm really excited about it, and you know i don't live that far from Manhattan, for example, so I had the freedom and luxury to hop on the train and go to the times store Times Square store opening when they released the r t that day that was a lot of fun okay. and uh and stuff and and i've and I've got to visit several of the Microsoft stores as i've got to go around the country and and talk to those folks and you know, just kind of see what people are saying about it, and and play with it. And i have always sit there and play for an hour or so on the on the tablet just to see if it was something that that I really wanted. And, uh, and my biggest disappointment of the whole thing was when they finally decided to release the Pro. I was there in Dallas with you, right? And there's not a Microsoft store within two hours of where we Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And
2: <laughs> I know, and and you know, I got up that morning and I couldn't even order it off the website. They were already sold out. Yeah, they yeah. were gone. Yeah. <laughs> So that was probably the biggest disappointment. So this is actually very interesting. And I think this speaks to a little bit to the, to the Microsoft store experience and their, and what they're trying to do. But, uh, you know, I called the store and they said, we don't know we're going to get, when we're going to get them in. We think Tuesday kind of thing. And of course, they, they didn't get them on Tuesday, but they had that ask me anything. And, uh, I think, uh, Panay or, Whoever it was said that they were going to have the Microsoft stores restocked by the weekend. I'm thinking, great. I'm flying to Seattle over the weekend. <laughs> I'm like, I may not get one again. You're going to miss it so, again. So, you know, I called the guy and he's like, well, all we can tell you is midweek. And I'm like, well, it's Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow's midweek. He goes, yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, so I actually wasn't working on a project for a customer that week. I was actually writing articles, uh, cause I didn't, I was kind of between projects. I didn't ever want to start something like, going into something like a summit or something like that. It's uh so I was kind of doing some other things. And so I decided to just drive down there that day and, and, uh, and got there and the guy's like, we're getting them today, but we don't know when he goes, how long can you kind of wait? And I said, well, if I've got a plug, to plug in and sit there and, and do work. I can sit here all day long. So they cleared off a space for me in the Microsoft store, <laughs> gave me plugs and let me sit there and work. Wow. And uh they didn't get them in before I had to go home. It oh, it wasn't oh. a big deal. I got I got everything done I was gonna do anyway. Um and I got out of the house, so that was good. And they called me Two hours after I got home, and so said they, they were unloading them off the truck and had one for me the next morning. So I drove down the next morning, and they, they again, whipped out, whipped the desk apart, to let me plug in, and I sat there for about two hours downloading and installing software on it. And, uh, you know, I think it took me 10 minutes to get Visual Studio set up.
0: Then the Pro hardware is quite different from the RT hardware. It's not just the ARM processor. I'm kind of right. astonished that the Pro is an i5. Uh, you know, I've, it is, I is it? I got one of the Acer W510s, the little Iconia, right. which is mm-hmm. which is the same form factor. It's Slate with all the computing parts in the Slate part, and then the keyboard with just a battery in it. But that one's Atom, which is very, like, really low-power uh, Intel hardware. It is a Pro. It'll run anything. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't got a heck of a lot of horsepower. I got to think, there's quite a bit of horsepower in that Pro.
1: I remember people were complaining about the batteries, too, but the, it still lasts a good eight hours, doesn't it?
2: Uh the RT can last you 8 to 10 hours. No, right. I meant the Pro. Yeah, the Pro uh Six. generally I get I get 4 to 5 depending on what I'm doing. That's still pretty freaking good. Yeah. I've noticed like if I sit there and watch Netflix for a couple of hours, it it
0: drains the battery more than if I'm writing code. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that little iconia with the Atom processor. <laughs> You get about six hours out of the battery, it's in the slate, mm. but the keyboard is all battery. So mm. when you put the two together, it's like 18 hours. I've never run it down. I've, huh. I've used it all day and then just never run it out. Wow. Yeah. So I've actually made several East Coast, West Coast
2: trips now. And uh, generally, I have no problem making it across the country. Uh, of course, I do change planes and I do power up at least, you know, get at least a half hour charge in there. Um, but I have made it back and forth to East both coasts back and forth uh, six times now, um, and not not had to worry about running out of battery
1: life. So come on, graphene. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah, now
0: you're leaking next shows. Our, know, our, right. our next geek out, I think, will be nanotechnology, and we will talk about the graphene ultracapacitor. Oh, that's a, that's yeah. a whole other thing. That's so, what happens when Carl and I have a whole week together. Yeah. We just keep talking about this stuff.
1: We've already had several geek out shows that nobody's heard. They were just at my breakfast nook, yeah, over coffee. <laughs> This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Teleric forums, from free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Teleric.com/freestuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show.
0: You know, the other piece about the Pro that I don't think it's talked about enough, and I, and I do think it's a big deal, is 1920 by 1080 in a 10 and a half inch screen. Mm-hmm. Because the RT is the 1366 by 768, which I, I just think it's too low resolution. The Pro has nineteen is ten eighty p yeah it's ten eighty p in a ten inch form factor hmm. like our pixel densities right. are getting so high you know we, we don't need to have a break, you know you you had that seventeen inch Delasaurus, which was probably ten eighty p as well that's higher than that I'm sure
2: um, you know I actually may get better resolution on my Surface Pro than I do the Dellasaurus I haven't funny. really checked wow uh, I, I don't know and and one of the things I may not even run that at the highest resolution uh, I generally don't like little tiny fonts right. Are you going blind? Is that what it is? Well, no, not really. Uh, The only the only one I've really had a big issue with is when I remote into uh, a virtual machine or something like that. Right. I get it. It doesn't. It renders as if it's a full desktop monitor, right? So you get these little tiny. I can't even read the stuff in File Manager, for example. And you're talking about on the Pro. Right, right. Now, if I plug it into a, if I put it into an external monitor, I have no problem reading right. stuff. But actually, on the screen, the resolution is is really high. Yeah. And so I get these little tiny fonts, and I'm not good with that. Maybe when I was 20 something. Yeah. But not. You got to dial it up at the 10 inch screen at that resolution. That's very small. And you know that's one of the things the IE team did. If you actually look at the the the, the magnification, the default magnification on on
0: web pages is 150 percent. Yeah. And it's coming from these. Retina level resolutions, and I hate to use apple's term there, but that's really well, and,
2: and that's really it, yeah. yeah, I mean, you got apple with the, and then this was coming, You know Microsoft talked about this a few years back mm-hmm. was was essentially this super high resolution monitors, yeah that yep. everybody was going to have, and it was going to be common, and so they started geared up and and ramping up for that, you know Apple's done that with the newer iPads and the newer uh Macs themselves uh Google's got the new Chromebook that costs
0: like a a, a mortgage. To get now, and uh, that's got high resolution. Yeah. So the really high. Yeah. yeah I mean, most people think in 1920 is high resolution, but 1920 at 10 inches is blindingly high. But now you're yeah. starting to see. I mean, the, those big uh, Mac displays that are 2560 plus, and they're still small enough that I we I saw a guy running at the 100% mode on a Mac Pro when we were at Code Mash, and he had three code windows side by side. The code was microscopic. But he right. could fit all of that information in it at once. We just did an interesting point in monitor resolution. We're trying to figure out the right way to do this. Yeah. Chris, what does your mobile web development stack look like these days?
1: For me, um, well, actually, here's a funny thing. I'm
2: actually purging jQuery out of my stack. Why? Um, it's big, fat, and slow. <laughs> what you um, call me <laughs> no, that's, what, that's what they've called me all my life nice. uh, but, um, so actually I've been I've been uh, making the transformation to not use jQuery if you look at like deep tissue in the panorama library they don't have any jQuery hooks in them at all so what it's do you use instead um, I'm just writing against the native APIs in the browsers
0: hmm.
2: and that is actually been a lot easier than I anticipated. Vanilla JS. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I go write, if I write a web application from the ground up that I have complete control over the architecture, I'm gonna, I'm going to use the, you know, the libraries that I've built, basically the spa library, the, the, uh, the, what I call backpack. And then I'm gonna use some of the libraries that I've used, like a, that I created, like the, the toolbar and the deep tissue and stuff is necessary. And then I've got, I basically have a, a, a way to build um, an application class that actually is structured based on jQuery, believe it or not, because that actually is a really fantastic model to build um, an extensible class from and, and just go from there. And, you know, if I get stuck with something, then I, I go figure out how to do it. But a lot of the, a lot of the layout things you can, you can pawn off into CSS land now and do it very well the animations are are really good mm-hmm. the from a mobile perspective where you run into problems honestly is android uh, there's so many old androids out there yeah mm, lots of froyo yeah there's i mean the
0: the, the 2.0 um is still fifty percent or, or or more? Yeah, two one two 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 three, and then it, yes. yeah, it's it's this collage that just people haven't moved off of, and I I blame the carriers there. The IE six of mobile phones, right? Yeah, I think it's worse. I really do, <laughs> and it's
2: not and it's not just that. It's just that there's so many variants out there too. The default webcam browser that ships is very weak. Um, the The Chrome for Android really only runs on was it Jelly Bean and up. And, you know, there's just not enough footprint up there. I think Google's doing a pretty good job trying to get Chrome as the default browser, but they're never going to backport it to Gingerbread, for example.
0: Yeah. No, they're not. They, they want everyone to go forward. And, and they, you know, what we're seeing is the schism between Google's intent for Android and the carrier's intent for Android. Mm. Right. The carriers don't care. They're just like, oh, it's full profit for us. Yay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and when I talk to people that are, that are geeks, and I, I see a, a big difference here between the the friends that we run around with that have Androids yeah. and then the guy next door that has Android or my family members. When I ask them why they get the Android, their answer
0: is, is almost unanimously because it was the free phone in the store. Yep. The, it's the one the guy sold you. not right. the, Nothing to do with what you want. It's the one the guy sold you. So I don't
2: see S3s at the in, in my neighbor's hands. I just don't. Right. Um, what I see are some weird… Off-brand LG that no one's ever heard of that just happened to be the the free phone of the week at the Verizon store. Right. Hmm. And you know the other thing too is I ask them, well, what do you do? And it's text, talk, and occasionally check email. Right. They don't even use apps. Nope. Uh, they don't. I don't even know if they're. They even know there's a browser on their phone. So, <laughs> um, hmm. it, it's a it's a different world when you get outside of our geek circles. Yeah. And we think our circles are big, and they're really kind of
0: small. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And they are echo chambers. We are, they are very self-fulfilling. Yeah. So, away. and that's one of the things I
2: love about, I love about being in the airports is I can, I can do what's called creeping as I can look over people's shoulders and see what they're doing. And usually in the airports,
1: it's texting or playing a game to kill time. Or you can just connect to their PCs because they don't have password protection or anything. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. So, um,
2: but you know, back to the surface, you know, like I said, I, I've, I sit in these airports a lot. I have not had a trip since I've gotten it where I haven't had at least two or three people ask me questions about the surface.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I find that's very true, too, as well as sitting on a plane. People are very interested in your surface.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and they all all want to – the comment I've gotten generally from all of them is they all want it. Uh, some of them said that they're saving money to get one for, get one this summer. Mm. Um, I had one girl say she was mad she bought an, an iPad five months ago. <laughs> mm. Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, I had one, the, the guy sent, uh, Saturday in the airport, he wanted to know if I could get up and dance on a table like the commercial. Now. Nice. Uh, hey, do you use the pen in the pro? Um, I've lost one. Uh, ah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you where I use the pen is play is, uh, with Chrome.
0: Hmm. Just because Chrome's touch interface isn't working all that well,
2: right? It does seem to respond to the pen though, as if it was a mouse. Which hmm. is,
0: hmm.
2: which it makes it easier to deal with. Um, I, ha- I don't have a lot of apps that I can really take advantage of of the pen. I want something that I can sit there and draw notes. But Evernote, even the Metro version, I can't sit there and just start writing things out. Well some great drawing apps if you're an artist? You know, I know
0: OneNote will let you do it. I'm, I've, I've become an, an Evernote freak though. I was in the process of going to Evernote when OneNote made the SkyDrive stuff actually work. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went back. And that's the reason it just wasn't working. It used to be that OneNote had the awesome interface on the machine. And I used tablet computing way back in the beginning. Yeah. But it was a, the only way to share your OneNote then was running a SharePoint server, which is like, I'd rather stick needles in my yeah, eye. right. Exactly. And, yes. And, but then Evernote came along with a weak client, but a great cloud story. Right, and then you know, and then Microsoft clearly got their head screwed on straight, and just made SkyDrive. SkyDrive just made it work; The problem yes. went away, and so now it's OneNote all the way for me. And the OneNote for RT, the 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 Metro OneNote, is the few I think it's the future of Office. It's a really distinctive UI. It is very touch friendly. It's an astonishing yes. bit of software.
2: Yeah, and the, and the Evernote Metro version
0: is very weak.
2: Um, they've made it a little better lately and I've actually started using it, but it's still not there. Yeah. Uh, they still got a ways to go. You can tell they haven't put them a, enough interest
0: into it yet. You know, I miss the old Microsoft where they would have an Evernote converter already, you know, read and write Evernote files through OneNote. Like if they, if they were still on their game, the way we we're used to them, that whole embrace and extend, they'd be reading and writing Evernote with via OneNote transparently yeah they did it with Lotus Notes and, yeah. and Word perfect and all those yes. sorts of things. Why is
1: it that the seemingly most simple apps it, OneNote is essentially notepad on steroids, seems to have the biggest problems, like the, the things that you would think we have come uh, you know to the to the best possible solution right now, mail, you know mail client mm-hmm. Why doesn't that just work?
0: Yeah
2: Well, evidently they made the, the default mail client better. I haven't really used it yeah because I've got Outlook. But, uh, yeah, I heard all the cries about that was one of the big problems with
1: 1RT was the email client. But I heard they made it better. The really important thing is that there has to be a mail daemon that just runs in the background constantly. And that's difficult to do on a tablet without draining the battery. And so the end result is when you you have to run the app to download the mail and, uh, you know, you're sitting there waiting for it. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to send something, you have to sit and wait for that, too. So, but really, ultimately, you want it to be in the background.
2: Yeah, there's things that we as application developers have to rethink. There's a, there's so much to it because, I mean, the world's changing. I mean, I am firmly in the stance of we are definitely in the post-PC world now. And things like touch and mobile radically change not only the user inter- inter- interface that we have to build, but we also have to think about how we build our applications. So some of the things you're talking about there are are very important, you can't architect your applications so that they drain the battery. And you also have to be aware that somebody may just flip on the phone, check the email. Meanwhile, the phone's also spinning up the connection to the to the network the internet piece to actually be able to check and update the mail. Mm. And that may take a few seconds. Right. Same for GPS. I mean, I, 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 everybody knows me because I check on Foursquare all the time. But just because I launched the Foursquare app doesn't mean that the phone actually is uh, immediately aware of where I'm at, it still has to spin up the GPS the CPU and figure out which one of the connections it's going to use to get me the the location to give me the list on Foursquare. Sometimes that takes a few seconds, and it's you know, and a lot of people just think that's instantaneous. Oh, it knows I'm at X Y Z latitude and longitude, but it really doesn't. So you have to wait for these things to actually connect. And there's so there's issues there. GPS is a battery pig. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, you run any, like we were doing this earlier, right, with, right. The, with the Nokia Drive app. Yeah. You fire that app up so the GPS is in use, so the high-speed data is in use mm. to keep stuff moving around so far that it looks awesome. But half an hour of that and your battery's traumatized and your yep. phone's warm. Right. Yes. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I
2: think when we were out in L.A. in November, I was driving down from downtown to meet y'all down in Irvine, right? And I had a, almost a full battery charge when I when I started that drive, and it was down to about
1: 20% when I walked in the building. And the phone was warm. Here, if you have a Lumia 920 or 900, tap and tap plus send. Turn that off. That's something that you'll never use. And when it's on, oh, it's a pig. <laughs> it's a battery hog. I do keep
2: mine on because I, I, I want to show that demo off to, with with people trying to sell the, the Windows phone. And, of course, my wife always has it turned off. So when I'm trying to send her a picture, it's like it fails and it makes me look bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, it's just the kind of thing you should turn it on when you need it but because it's a
0: huge battery pig.
2: Yes, yes, they are.
0: Yeah, the other wrestling match I'm having around uh, tablets in general is… You know, uh, uh, Zuckerberg's famously on, on point saying they're not mobile devices. Mm-hmm. You, you use them at home. Right. And it was start looking in the enterprise. We've had this whole discussion around this idea of, do I bring the computer to the work now mm. rather than bring the work to the computer or bring the work to the couch where I'd rather sit yeah.
1: than mm-hmm. at, a, at a cubicle.
2: Yeah. The, the whole BYOD thing, consumerization of it mm-hmm. is a big, big deal, um, And, you know, I've spent a lot of time over the last year and a half, two years talking to enterprises. Some enterprises are trying to tackle that. Others are trying not to acknowledge it. Uh, But I think the reality is is if you're not acknowledging it, you're going to have to by force because people are going to start using these things. Sure. And I realized it was – I realized it the first day the iPad came out. I remember we were making jokes when my Apple announced the iPad. Right, and it was like this is a giant phone. Giant phone. You know? yeah. <laughs> but the the day after you could buy one of those, I was sitting in a meeting with a customer, and one of their IT guys was sitting there with his iPad taking notes already. Mm-hmm. And and I was sitting there, and I was and I, he let me play with it and hold it, and I was like, wow, this is actually
0: this is actually nice. Yeah, it feels good in hand. I'm thinking back to. Uh, last fall, Barclays Bank in the UK, 8,500 iPads right. for hmm. all of their mortgage people. Right. Yes. And and and, and their whole point was the portability of mm-hmm. rather than carrying a right. stack of forms or bringing people into an office, the mortgage guy is going to the customer with the iPad and able to do everything. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I used to carry around at least three to eight books in my
2: my suitcase when I traveled because I wanted to have those as references for what I was working on. Sure. Now, now I joke that I carry several thousand books with me and they weigh a heck of a lot less. Yeah. And but it's it's exactly what it is. I think American Airlines is giving all their pilot, pilots iPads instead of their big flight tracking books or whatever yeah. they have to keep up with.
0: Yeah, um, Jepsen is the guys who do the all of the. Aviation documentation that they literally, when you became a pilot, you got a Jepson case, yeah. which is a big, basically suitcase-sized thing that you carried all that paperwork around. And it's Jepson who's really driven. We're going to make an iPad app so that you have this digital flight deck available. Mm. And, that,
2: and that's a that's point right there. Those guys realize they're not a, a, a publishing
0: company that prints things. They no. realize they're a data supply, supplier company. Yeah. And they save a tremendous amount of it because you, you would get pages from Jepson almost every week. And expected to pull out these binders and flip to the right page and take a page out and put a page in. Like, it's crazy what they'd have to do. Mm. And now it's just on your iPad. Right. So, you know, one
2: of the things I've done as I've gone in and out of enterprises over the last year and a half, two years, is just notice how people use their laptops. And I see people... Hustling around the the office, going from meeting room to meeting room, and they'll carry their laptops on their forearms. They'll check their emails or walking down the hall. Yeah, mm. that hardware juggle. Yeah, yeah, and they've got they've got this this piece of hardware that just isn't really form fitted for them to just pick it up and go. Right. It, it, in theory, it is, but but now we've got this whole new device called a tablet that doesn't really have as much stuff, but it allows you to do the same thing, and it weighs a heck of a lot less mm, too. Right. You know, and you think back to where all this started, you know, I remember the first, quote, you know, portable computers back in the early 80s. They were, what, 30, 40 pounds with a handle and stuff the like legables. that. The legables. They were suitcases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now we've got stuff that weighs, you know, a pound that's that's extremely powerful. Or, you know, in the case of, like, a lot of the phones, a lot of the phones, if you architect the UI correctly, you can accomplish a lot of your day-to-day business tasks on the phone. And that that raises issues. I mean, there's the The traditional IT operations guy thinks he needs to own the hardware that the business applications run on, but the day to day person that's actually working in the company doesn't want to have that experience. You know, they want to just be able to buy what they want to be, want want to have. Because the mobile devices are very intimate to you; they they're really about who you are and who you want to be and how you actually want to work on things. And so enterprises need to start deciding how they're going to re-architect their their whole line of business
0: client experience. Well, also how they think about security. I mean, there's a lot of hard problems around this.
2: That is a huge part of it. Um, You know, are you going to make people tunnel in through a VPN? Well, that's going to be really hard to do on the iPad the way it's set up, right? But on what Surface Pro, that's just a Windows machine. You could actually do that, you know? So, I mean, I look at that. I'm like, you know, what? what devices are really kind of geared towards tomorrow's enterprise. And, you know, I'm not so sure that that where the iPad is right now. One of the reasons why I think Apple eventually will struggle is they want to have so much control over the whole experience. Right, right. And, you know, they essentially want to censure and audit the applications that run. So are you as an enterprise going to be willing to let some Apple engineers QA your application after you've QA'd
0: it and accepted it? to make it available for your own employees to use. Right. Well, and, you know, I understand the core motivation of that goes back to this idea of if you go into an Apple app store, it's Apple's name on it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to give some assurances. But when we're talking about an enterprise app, it's up to the enterprise. It's not a publicly available app. So, right. you know, the things have to be disconnected.
2: Right. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think HTML5 is the way enterprises need to attack this. It's certainly a way to circumvent the problem. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's some, there's some comfort zone things that have to, I guess that's the way I must phrase it, I guess, is that, that the operations side has to kind of accept that, that the, the cheese is moved for them effectively. Yeah. And they've got to accept that there's, there's a different strategy going forward with security. And there's some, I mean, to get the whole mobile device management thing, which is basically where, you know, if you want to, you can go buy your own phone and then the company is basically going to re-image it and put on there what they want and not let you have what you want. So what's the point in doing that? Well, and yeah, and can blanket remotely when you leave. Exactly. Um, Which is going to cause problems. Um Another one, I think, was it VMware or somebody like that? They've got the whole virtualization. Yeah, the Zen
0: marketplace. Yeah, so that's kind of a a trade off there too. I can see the pros and cons to that too. Well, again, to keep the data on the servers that you control and you just have a view into it.
2: Exactly. That's, that's my main thing is, yeah, you know, control what data you let the client actually have. If you don't allow tons of data out there, the risk is minimal. It's more about getting access to the stuff. And, you know, like, you know, when I originally started going through this, we, we, we kind of overthought the, the way to do the security side and, you know, the customer we were working with at the time just said, no, we don't really care. If somebody leaves, we'll just change the password. Mm. Right. That's nice in, in theory, but a lot of companies forget to change the people's passwords on the way out
0: the door. much less just taking out the account. Right.
1: Samsung's
0: right. now released these new phones, uh, with uh, new versions of the software for uh, Galaxy phones called Safe with Knox. And they really are getting this idea of you have a personal side of your phone and you have a business side of your phone and the business controls the business side of the phone. So you know, in that exit of the company, yeah, we'll wipe the business side, but your stuff's left alone.
2: Yeah, that sounds like the virtualization thing that that I was talking about. Mm. I hadn't heard about that yet, though, so I can't keep up with all of it. It's so. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot moving <laughs> yeah, It really is. You yeah. know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, the mainstream press focuses on the consumer side of it. Yep. But yet, there's still just as much news going on on how enterprises are going to deal with it, and it's a it's a huge market. I mean, I've seen. Hundred and twenty billions billion dollar valuation in the next couple of years is what it's gonna be and that mm. kind of stuff. You know, you know how good those those predictors of the, the way business works are are actually valid, but but in general it is gonna be a big deal. So it's up to I guess people like me, uh, to be blunt, to kind of give a good guidance, a good strategy for enterprises to follow um when it comes to how are we going to tackle this mobility thing. And, yeah, absolutely, you know, and know, at least know enough about what the different, you know, strategies and what the trade offs are. And, you know, is it, is it flexible enough for me in my business? Are there regulations involved? You know, if I'm doing a military contract, the odds are, yeah, they're not going to let me use my own personal device, you know?
1: Mm.
2: So, yeah, it mm-hmm. depends on, it, it uh, there's a lot of depends, which is the standard developer answer. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you
1: know, it depends on your situation, you know? Chris, I think we're going to have to leave it at that, but thanks for spending the hour with us. That was great. This is fun. Always fun to talk to you. And uh, I love my Surface Pro, so. And keep doing what you do. All right, thank you. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much but it means a lot. just try.